Katie Cowley. Katie, welcome to the Ward family. Thank you. And uh, Katie, where were you born? Where'd you grow up? Well, it's the most exotic thing about me. I was born in Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, my dad's Canadian, and he was doing a postdoc at University of British Columbia. But by the age of one, I'd moved to the Bay Area, which actually is where my mom grew up. And I grew up in El Cerrito, which is between Richmond and Berkeley. And I grew up going to the Berkeley Ward. So you moved here to the Bay Area as a yes. family and, and grew up in the East Bay. What was that like for you? I loved it. It was pretty diverse over there. I guess I grew up with a lot of Berkeley liberal thought. And you can take the girl out of Berkeley, but you can't take the Berkeley out of the girl. And so, I don't know, that can tell you a little bit about the way I see the world. I um, went to public school, but then I went to a private high school um, that was kind of similar to Pinewood or Harker um, because I was supposed to go, you know, be bused down into inner Richmond for high school. And my parents weren't really excited about that idea. So I ended up going to a kind of fancy private school in Oakland. So I did a lot of busing around Berkeley, spent a lot of time hanging out with homeless people and People's Park and that sort of thing. And as you were growing up, did you have certain types of interests or hobbies or certain subjects that you gravitated towards in school? I liked all subjects. I was really, my dad particularly was very adamant that we do well in school. So I loved school and took school really seriously. My parents calculated how much money they were spending on that private school per day, let me know that I would be paying for it if I ever skipped school. So I always was a really good student and kind of across the board, but my dad really wanted me to be a, an engineer because I could do math. I was you know, good enough at that sort of thing. Oh, be an engineer, be an engineer. I did go into engineering as an undergraduate at UC San Diego, and I met Sam in those engineering classes. I graduated with a bioengineering degree, but I hated it. <laughs> I hated it so much. So I actually got a double degree in bioengineering and biochemistry. And I liked the biochemistry just so much better. But I married an engineer, so that made everybody happy. So we'll dive into the, all of that in a little bit more detail yeah. in just a minute. But in terms of those kind of childhood years, were you a member of the church growing up? Or did that come later for you? No. So I was a member of the church all my life, but my dad was not a member. So I always felt like I was half in and half out. So we would go to church most Sundays, but nothing was ever discussed at home. We didn't have family prayers. We didn't ever read the scriptures as a family. It was just taboo to talk about. So really everything I learned about the church, I learned at church. You know, there was funny things like I didn't know what general conference was. I didn't know what stake conference was because we never went. My mom called it an ecclesiastical holiday, which we thought was great. I, by my senior year, I thought, oh, I'm a full, I always felt like a member of the church. I always identified as Mormon. I identified as, you know, oh, I've got to keep these commandments because that's my thing. But I would go to church like once a month. I'm sure my young women leaders were tearing their hair out. I never went to activities. I never went to seminary, but I always had it internalized. And uh, you know, I was always the only kid at school that was LDS. I had no friends my age who were LDS at 
um, in Berkeley at the time. So it was just me as a little island going about my life. But I you know, read the scriptures by myself at night. And I just really took it seriously, partially because I had this split in my family. My dad didn't believe. My mom did. Well, what was the truth? Like, I took it so seriously. I was like, I have to figure this out. I have to figure this out. It was like an anxiety thing. And in fact, when I was eight years old, my mom said, well, you have to talk to your dad about getting baptized. You have to have a conversation with him about it. And I was so scared to do it that I just didn't do it. And I turned eight in May and I didn't get baptized until November. And the whole, that whole six months or whatever it was, I was so afraid I would die. Like I'd go to sleep every night being like, oh, I might die and not be baptized. And then I'm not going to go to heaven. Like it was actually, like I was an anxious child about that sort of thing. And so I took it pretty seriously as a kid, but always had this like split where I felt half in, half out. And how did that conversation with your dad go? Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. Tears. We actually had to stop it at some points because I'd be crying so hard and he's like well why don't we talk about this later I remember him so vividly I know exactly where I was in the yard where he was talking about Joseph Smith and how he just thought it was all a fraud and it hurt me so badly on my mother's side I actually am a descendant of like Hiram Smith and Joseph F Smith like I have a huge Mormon legacy her maiden name was Smith so I have a huge Mormon legacy on the one side and just absolute atheism on the other side and my parents have a fabulous marriage they make it all work but i did just feel this kind of pull in both directions i loved the comfort of church i loved just the basic why are we here i feel god's love in the universe and it just explained that feeling that i had and you mentioned kind of being diligent and kind of taking ownership of the process yourself. Were there certain experiences that you had that were pivotal for you or that kind of stand out in your memory? Or was it just this more kind of gradual line upon line process? I don't remember anything specific other than I just really felt like God answered my prayers when I was young, particularly. Or not even answered them, but heard them. I felt like they meant something. I had really good young women's leaders. They were all Berkeley graduate students or the wives of graduate students. So I had these young people who were graduate school age, starting their families, married to nice guys. And I saw that as an example. And I really wanted to live a life like they did. Like I just see these young women um, who were like 23, 24. And I'd be like, oh, that's what I want. I want that pathway. And I did not want to have the schism that I had in my own home, even though I don't want to make it sound like I didn't have a loving home. I had like an ideal home, but just that made me sad to have, to not be together, to not have my parents all on the same page with that. And I just really wanted that. And I actually had a lot of anxiety about finding a Mormon guy to marry because I didn't see any prospects for a long time. Not a long time. So you did end up at UC San Diego, you said, yes. and you, you mentioned what you majored in, but how did you actually pick that school? My young women's leaders like literally filled out the BYU application for me. 
Uh, at the time, you had to only take the ACT, and I had only taken the SAT. They found an ACT and signed me up for it. They wanted me to go to BYU really badly because they're like, you'll never find a guy <laughs> to get married to. And BYU was so wonderful. But I knew my dad's just like, no. Now he's perfectly fine with BYU. Like he has no memory of being so down on BYU. But at the time, I just felt like I would be defying my dad. I went down to UC San Diego to visit it. Oh my gosh, I had the most amazing time. My friends and I who'd all gotten into the school, oh, we went to the beach. We went to Tijuana. We just had the best time. And I'm like, I'm coming to the school. And I had gotten into Berkeley as well, but Berkeley was literally closer to my home than my high school was. And so I decided ah, I'm going to go to UC San Diego. And then one day it just crystallized. I should go to UC San Diego. And what I like to think is that Sam actually was going through the same thing. He had gotten into Berkeley and he had gotten into San Diego. And I'm like, well, maybe it crystallized for me that day because Sam had made his decision. So uh, we both ended up freshman year, 1991, UC San Diego. And how did your paths cross there at school? So I remember very clearly, I had gone to church the first day. I had gone to the institute program, uh, the institute building, and they're like, okay, here's somebody who will pick you up for church. They pick me up for church. I go to church and it is literally a unit. It's not even a branch. It had been formed like that month. There were about 15 or 20 people there. And I thought, oh, my young women's leaders were correct. I'm never gonna meet anybody at this school who's LDS and I've never had LDS friends like, oh. But the second week I looked back and there were two guys sitting a couple rows behind me who were also freshmen. And one was this kid named Nathan Osborne and he actually grew up in the stake and a lot of people around here know him. He looked like a Greek God. He was a water polo player. Like he literally looked like a Greek God. But the guy next to him was this kind of cute, smaller fellow with like fuzzy, big, blonde hair. That was Sam. And um, I remember thinking like, oh, well, that guy looks like a Greek god, but that guy's kind of cute too. And we became friends. It turned out that we had all of our math courses together freshman year and all of our physics courses together freshman year. So we would sit by each other and we became just friends. And he would drive me to church sometimes. Both of us were sort of on the every other week we'll go to church plan. And so um, every other week I'd call Sam up and like, hey, can you give me a ride? And he had this Camaro. He was so proud of this Camaro. He had fixed it up, but I thought I didn't understand the love affair that he had with this vehicle. I thought it was a piece of junk because he'd have to like open up the hood and bang on it with a hammer and do like these things. And I'm like, wow, this guy's car stinks. Little did I know that this car was amazing. And he was very proud of it. Sam had also told me that he really impressed you with his grades his freshman year oh as well. Oh my gosh. Luckily, I didn't know. One of my very first like seared into my brain memories of Sam sitting in a lecture hall and our it was um, almost Christmas and it was our first finals and we had a final review for our calculus class. And I'm nervous. Oh, nervous. Oh, I gotta figure out this calculus. Oh, finals are coming. And I look across and I see that Sam Cowley boy and he has a big garbage bag on one side of him and a garbage bag on the other and he is stringing popcorn 
on a long string, taking it from one garbage can into the, you know, one bag into the other for decorating his dorm. And I'm like, oh, Sam isn't even worried about this like final. He must know what he's doing. He didn't know what he was doing. Now I saw his transcripts after we got married. I'm like, you should not have been doing that. <laughs> he's just, <laughs> yeah. He has an air of knowing what he's doing. So I was impressed. Once I saw his grades, I was less impressed. He just didn't care. <laughs> and then he left on a mission for yes. a little while. Yeah. So in between, were you just waiting for him to come back? Or did you, oh, no. you know, explore other options? Oh, or? yeah. No, we did not date freshman year. We were just friends. And I had a different boyfriend. And, you know, he was off doing his own things. And I thought he was a little weird, and I did not expect him to go on a mission. I remember very clearly being in a lecture hall, in physics lecture hall, and asking Sam, well, where are you gonna live next year? And he goes, I don't know. Well, you need to turn in your housing. What do you mean? Well, I don't know where I'm gonna live. Well, do you have people to live with? I don't know who I'm gonna live with. And I said, what is your problem? You are so out of it. And he's like, well, I'm going on a mission. And I was so impressed. Like, I did not expect that. Like, the boys from Berkeley, they didn't all go on missions. And I didn't expect that of Sam. And I thought, oh, oh, he's going on a mission. Oh. And so that summer, when we had both, you know, gone home, and he was in Livermore, and I was in El Cerrito, so kind of close, I called him up to find out where he had gone on his mission. He said he was going to go to Brazil. And we talked about it because we were friends and I hung up the phone and like this like mind explosion went off. And I thought, actually, Sam is a lot of what I'm looking for. He's pretty, he was pretty, he was cute. I mean, he was cute. He was smart. He was interesting. He was more, um, you know, LDS, but not like wearing it on his sleeve. And I'm like, why didn't I ever notice? And at that moment, I was like, well, I'm going to write Sam letters during his mission because, you know, this guy has some potential. And then when he came back from his mission, I was like, oh my gosh. Woo! He's so perfect for me. Like, I just remember saying, oh, Heavenly Father, like, please make it work out if it possibly can because he's so perfect for me. And it was exciting. So once he was back from his mission, how quickly did that all go then? So we kind of flirted for a couple months and then we got, then we started dating. I think we dated seriously and exclusively for six months and then we're engaged for seven months. And then we got married and I had graduated and was working in a lab, but close to school. And I, I was really at a, um, I thought, oh, what am I going to do? I'm dating this really great guy, but I kind of want to go to graduate school. You know what? Sam is worth it for me to stick around. So I stuck around and um, worked close to UCSD in a lab, a biology lab, as a lab tech. And then we got engaged. And so I worked for two years while he finished school. And then we went to my graduate school. I became a genetic counselor. I did a two years master's program at UC Irvine. So we moved to Orange County, really close to Chapman College, so that I could attend UC Irvine. It was all in Orange, which was, uh, that's where their hospital was. And 
I loved my graduate program. And when you guys were married, were you married in the temple? Yes, we got married. We were living in San Diego, but we got married at the Oakland Temple because that's where our family all was. And it was a party because I was the oldest cousin on both sides of my family to get married. He had a big family. All of our friends from UCSD came up and it was like, it was huge. Nobody had gotten married. I had been to like three weddings before in my life. It was a, I didn't know what I was doing, but we just made a, <laughs> we made it a party. I mean, a temple. And then we had this big reception afterwards out in Livermore. It was so fun. That's great. I can honestly say it was the happiest day of my life. It was so fun. So you were there in Irvine for a while while you were doing your master's. Two years. And then, and then Sam ended up doing his master's in Stanford. So that's what brought you to the... Brought us to, back. Back to this area? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Super happy to be back. And then what was that like then being here back in this area? And I think that's about when you started to have kids as well. Yes. If I'm remembering right. Yes. We moved up to Stanford and I was like two or three weeks from having Cyrus. So I had Cyrus 10 days after he moved into Stanford graduate housing. I was actually kind of planning to work. I had just finished my, I finished my graduate degree, seven months pregnant, took my board examination. You know, we had a house down there. We sold our house, moved up here. I could handle all of that. What I couldn't handle was having a baby. It was horrible. Like Cyrus just cried and cried and cried. He was the worst baby. I mean. Other people, I thought he was the worst baby. Other people also thought he was the worst baby. Like I just, he threw me for a loop. And so I could barely hold it together. Becoming a parent was the hardest transition for me. And I didn't know anybody. I was in this graduate student housing. Both of our families were about an hour away. So that was good. We could go visit family. I don't know. It was just, it was very difficult transition. And I actually thought that he was so bad that if I had a babysitter for them, they would kill him. <laughs> like, I just, I think I was a little delusional because I knew I kind of wanted to, but I knew I wouldn't. But I thought, I'm biologically related to this monstrous child. I think anybody who wasn't biologically related to him would would, would not take care of him, would treat him so badly because he's such a bad baby. Now that I look back at it, I'm like... <laughs> I think I was a little crazy. So anyways, I managed to survive like the first, I don't know, eight or nine months. And then he became, he was awful cute. So that helped him, <laughs> that, helped, that helped us bond. And I found friends and, um, and I loved the area. And um, actually those were two good years that we spent at Stanford in the end. And what do you think helped? get you through those eight or nine months, just sheer determination and perseverance? Or were there other things that came into play for you? Sheer determination. I went on tons of walks. I just walked all over Stanford with him in a stroller. It was really great that I had family that I could go at least visit on occasion there, you know, that was helpful. And then after a little while, um, I found a really wonderful community of moms at Stanford through church that we all had playgroups and we had, there was probably about five of us who had all had little boys all in the fall of 1999 and I learned all my parenting from them. I never read any parenting books, maybe I should have, but I just, all of us were learning together and raising our kids together and it was so bonding and it was so helpful to me. 
to have this group of women who were really just trying to do their best. And we all had similar values, and I'm still in contact with a fair number of them, so that was really great. And how many kids do you have now, total? I have three. Cyrus is the oldest. He's 23, and he's working in San Francisco. He works at Facebook. He was a computer science major. He went to UC San Diego, too, which was really fun for Sam and I to go back there with him. Then our daughter, Tessa, she is 21, and she is on a mission right now. She was called to go to Moscow, but she ended up in Birmingham, England, for obvious reasons, and she's having a really great experience there. And then Wyatt is our youngest, and he just went off to college, and he actually is the first of both sides to go to BYU. He's having a fun experience there. Now that you've kind of reached the empty nest, if you will, if, yes. you, if you think about the intervening time, in what ways would you say that your maybe faith has changed over that time period, you know, mm -hmm. as a result of being a parent or mm -hmm. maybe just going through the experiences that you did as time went on? Yeah, I've had multiple faith crises, but I'm very slow to act, which is good because they always pass. And, you know, I've had periods of time where I'm like, what am I even doing? Why am I in this church? And a couple things have helped me stay. Number one, when I became an adult, I learned to love it. Like, sometimes I'd be like, well, I don't know if it's true, but I just like being here. Yeah, I just learned to love the church and love the people of the church. And then I also, I remember really clearly, actually back when I was in Heritage Oaks Ward in this building, one time I was sitting next to this woman, and I don't even remember her name, and she said, when I think of leaving the church, I feel darkness around me. And I thought, that's exactly how I feel. Um, sometimes I complain about things, and sometimes I think, oh, they're wrong about this or that. But when I ever think about leaving, I feel darkness. And the other thing is, I've had so many friends, family, other people. I mean, Sam and I are both the oldest of three. All our siblings have left the church. Whenever anybody leaves the church, I feel so sad. So it just breaks my heart. It doesn't break my heart sometimes when I think about myself leaving, but when I think of other people leaving, it just kills me. And then I think, well, I gotta stay myself. Yeah. This is, this is important. And the other thing that helps me stay in the church, besides loving it and feeling that darkness, is I had actually a really great Sunday school teacher when I was a youth. And you know there are very few youth at, in Berkeley. I was, often had one-on-one -on -one teaching from my Sunday school teachers. And his name is Brother Woodbury. And some people probably had him as a professor at BYU. He was doing his graduate school in Berkeley. He would always, every single lesson would have the plan of salvation written up on the board. Doesn't matter what the lesson was. He'd put the plan of salvation. How does this fit into the plan of salvation? And I ended up having a really strong testimony just in the plan of salvation. We are here for a purpose. My life has a meaning. I have a Heavenly Father who is waiting for me. And that's what I'm doing here on earth. I am trying to make good choices. My choices matter. I am trying to perfect myself. And um, I just really have a strong testimony of that. And I feel like we are the only church that has that life explanation. And, um, and I really respect that and honor that and 
feel like that's the core of my testimony that you know my life is a gift my life <laughs> has a plan my life has a purpose and heaven it began you know that like some of those songs just really speak to me that core and then you know do we have some of the details wrong i would expect that we do but do we have the core right i think that we have at least you know as far as our human brains can comprehend i feel like that core is correct and so i i hold to that and you were mentioning that why it just went off to school your youngest so yeah what is this next chapter hold in store for you you think i know what am i gonna do when i grow up i'm still asking myself that um, i'm just barely to the point where i'm like uh oh i need to really figure that out so i did a long-term sub at pinewood for three months where i taught science to fifth and sixth graders and that was super fun it was a super stretch for me i had to make up my own curriculum i i loved it but do I want to be a teacher? I don't know about that, but that was a really fun thing to try. I've been teaching art lessons, both at Pinewood Summer School and through the um, Los Altos School District. Um, I'm really heavily involved in their art docent program. Right now I'm the chairperson. So I go and teach art lessons a couple times a week throughout the school year. I still haven't figured out exactly what I'm going to do. I have several people in my family who are kind of sick right now. I do feel like I have to be available to that. My dad has lung cancer and Sam's uncle who lives in Piedmont also has lung cancer. They have like the same type. And so I kind of have a feeling like I need to be available to them right now. And you mentioned your <clears throat> degree in genetic counseling. Genetic is, counseling. Is that something that you've done over the years or did you sort of put that on hold after the master's? Or Yeah, I haven't worked as a genetic counselor. However, I... And like I read all sorts of stuff about genetics all the time. So I've kept my certification current. So I've had to do continuing education classes. Do I want to actually work as a genetic counselor? I'm not sure. It's really tough. You end up hearing really hard stories about people who are suffering. And it takes a lot out of you emotionally. I didn't really feel like I wanted to do that while I had kids because it was like there's there's some heart-wrenching stuff out there but I would love to be part of the field of genetics I still love it I am have never regretted going and getting my master's degree because I learned exactly what I wanted to learn and that's how genetics affects health affects people's lives how things are I guess I love getting to the root of things like with the gospel with genetics I just I'm still fascinated with it I still just read all the articles I can about genetics. If anybody wants to do any talking about genetics, please let me know. I would love to talk to you. Well, there you go. Well, lots of reasons actually to come talk to Katie, yeah. whether it's about genetics or you know any of these other things that we've talked yeah, about. Yeah, genetics. I'll do art with you. I like to go on walks and hikes. Uh, I like to camp. I like to read. I've been part of a book club around here for a long time. If anybody wants to join our book club, let me know. Women, That's lots great. of fun stuff to do. Perfect. Well, hopefully people in the ward, particularly the women in our ward, will take you up on that. Yeah, please. Thanks for sitting down and having this conversation. It was just really fun to, to chat. So thank you. Yes, and I've loved learning about other people in the ward too, the podcast. I listen to all of them. <laughs>